This is John chapter 13. We're going to begin a little series here. And it's going to be a four-part series from John 13, 14, and 15. The next three or four Sundays I'm preaching with you. And to look at some things together. I understand there's a ball game tonight. And we will be out of here plenty of time. You know, I used to live in Kansas City. So you know who I'm rooting for, okay? But it was not uncommon on a regular basis for one of our brothers to come in and say, Brother Roger, I got two tickets to the Chiefs game. I need a short sermon. I mean, that just happened time and time again. So I finally told God one time, I said, tell you what. I said, I preach every word of this sermon. We preach till midnight, just like the Bible says. But if my name was on one of those tickets, Jesus wept and we're out of here. <laughs> but no, we don't really do that. So in John chapter 13, 14, and 15, my entire sermon's right there on the board. We got a few more details we're going to fill in here in just a minute. But that's basically what we're going to look at here. Jesus tells the disciples that he's leaving. And he's going to be gone for a period of time. And so what we find in John 13, 14, and 15, just a little bit in chapter 16, are four things that Jesus wants the disciples to know. I'm leaving. Here's something I want you to know. Now, now we, we might do that on a smaller scale. I mean, it's not like you're going to the store, going to a movie. But if you're going to be on vacation for a long time, you're going to be gone. You might leave some instructions for the people at home. Water the plants. Take care of the pets. Don't forget what day Christ's day is. And you think about generation before. Some in this congregation. 18, 19, 20 years old. You went off to Vietnam. Generation before that, you went off to World War II. And you're parting words to your parents. Not knowing if you're going to come back or not. We think about before that some of the early forefathers who said goodbye to their families in Europe and got on a boat, crossed that ocean, and came here. And, and how that would have been so difficult for this. So in John 13, let's begin with this and let's walk through this. Notice the numerous times between 13 and 16, Jesus tells them, I am leaving. It begins with verse 1 of John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his last hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come forth from the Father and was going back to the Father. Chapter 13, look at verse 33. Little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You shall see me, and I, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. Peter would say in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? Where, where I go, you cannot follow me now. But a little while later, he says, we look in chapter 14, verse 2, My father's house are main dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for for you. Chapter 14, verse 28. You heard that it was said that I said to you, I go away. Chapter 16, verse 5. It says, But now I'm going to him who sent me. Then in verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. 
Verse 16 of the same chapter. A little while and you will no longer behold me. And again, a little while and you will see me. So running through this section here, Jesus is saying, I am leaving. I am leaving. I am leaving. And they've had Jesus all along here. Jesus had protected them. Jesus had taken care of them. Jesus had led them. But now he was leaving. And within these three chapters, Jesus lays forth some instructions. Here are some things I want you to know when I'm going. And we begin, first of all, in John chapter 14 and verse 1. He says in this context, let not your heart be troubled. Now that little expression, let not, that tells us it's in their control. It's something they could do. It's not something that's just going to happen and you, it's beyond you. Let not. We might tell a young teenager, do not speed. That means you control the pressure on that accelerator. Do not say bad words. That's within your power. Do not let your heart be troubled is something that you can control. Now, Phillips, in his translation, simply says, don't be distressed. And Peterson says simply this, don't let this rattle you. There's a lot of things in life that rattles us, gets us upset. It kind of distresses us. It bothers us. And one of the biggest things that comes to our mind is the idea of change. We have a hard time dealing with change. A lot of things in life, as we think about, it's always changing. A new job, moving to a new city, going to a different congregation. The last of the kids have moved out. Death of a spouse, bringing the parent to live in with you. All of these things speak of changes. Routines change, schedule change, life changes. And as you get older and older, that's one thing that's hard to deal with is change. A lot of us like our routines. Some of us drive the same roads all the time. We don't go venturing out because we like to know where we're going. Some of us, when we go to a restaurant, there may be 30,000 things on the menu. We always order the exact same thing every single time. It's comfortable. It's something we're accustomed to. It's something we like. But life is about changes. And right here in John 13, there's going to be a change. You're not going to wake up, and I'm going to be with you. I have calmed the storms. I've made demons flee. I've healed the sick. When the Pharisees harassed us, I dealt with the Pharisees. I have always been here, but now I am leaving. Now I am leaving. You know, one of the first changes I really had to deal with was when I went from high school to Purdue. My high school is one building, three floors. The first floor was arts and music. I didn't go down there very much at all. All my classes were on the second floor or the third floor. All my classes. So I went to Purdue University. I was, in fact, we found out years later that Jim Buss and I were in the same dorm. And he probably fed me food. That's probably why I am the way I am today. I don't know that. But, but I got up. I had to walk 30 minutes as fast as I could walk to another building to take a class on the second floor. As soon as that class was over, I had to leave and walk as fast as I could, 15 minutes, to another building, to another floor for another class. That's change. And that's things that, that sometimes it unsettles us. And all through our Bibles, we read about change. Adam and Eve lost paradise, and they had to find a new home. Moses died. 
Joshua becomes a new leader. Different judges, different kings. And for these apostles, they've woken up for the last three years and Jesus was always there. He was the one who always took care of things. He was the one who always led them. Now he was going. And now, who's going to do these things? And so what happens when we have change? It introduces us to an uneasy feeling. And it makes us oftentimes worry. And it causes fear. The unknown. Something's different. Something's unusual. And that creates those kind of things. Now, all of us, to a certain degree, have a fear. You know, I've met some people who say, I'm afraid of nothing. Well, that's not really true. All of us have some fears. They may be simple things like flying. Fear of snakes. Okay? When people hear I jumped out of an airplane, they said, weren't you afraid? Yes, I was. <laughs> and once you jump out, there's no going back, okay? So, but, but there's some deeper kind of fears. The fear of dying. The fear that I may run out of money before I die here. The fear of cancer. Or even some spiritual fears. Talking to a co-worker about Jesus. Need to do that, but I'm afraid. To confront a family member about some dishonesty needs to be done, but I'm afraid. To stand up for what is right should be done, but I'm afraid. Fear that I may not make it to heaven. And so when you go back to John 14, as Jesus begins with this, here's something I want you to remember. I am leaving. Number one. Don't let your heart be troubled. You are going to control this. And the way they're going to control this was simply by believing in me. Believe in me. Notice, let's read this verse once again. John 14, verse 1. Two times he talks about belief here. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Down verse 10 of chapter 14. Do you not believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I did, I, I show that he did is greater works than those that he did because I go to the Father. And so what Jesus is saying is the answer to your fear, the way to deal with change, first and foremost, is faith. Faith is a matter of choice. Faith is something that's going to navigate us through the things that are difficult and hard in our life. And he gives us a series of reasons why. Number one, he tells us that Jesus Christ has proven himself. Look at verse 11, if you will, John 14. He says, believe in me and I in my Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on the count of the works themselves. The word works simply means miracles. Believe because I have proven I am the Christ. Believe me because I am the Son of God from heaven. Now, if you will, go with me a few pages before this. John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, in a little series here, Jesus talks about a series of things that, again, gives testimony or witness or proof to who he is. John chapter 5, we begin with verse 33. You have sent to John, talking about John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. John bears witness to who I am, he's saying. 
Verse 36, he says, But the witness which I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given to me to accomplish, the very works I do bear witness of me. Jesus was always redefining the word impossible. It is impossible by physics and gravity for a human being to walk on water. He did it. It is impossible to raise the dead. He did it. It is impossible to heal incurable diseases like leprosy. He did it. Time and time and time again, he proved himself. Look down here in verse 37. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Again, proving who Jesus was. Then in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness of me. Believe in me. Why? Because he is the Christ, the Son of God. He has proven that. How do I know that? The miracles, the voice of the Father, his life, the prophecies. On and on the Bible shows to these things. Second thing he tells them why they should believe in him is because he's shown himself to be trustworthy. Go back to chapter 14, if you will. John 14. Let's look at verse 6 and then up above. Verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Why believe in Jesus? Because he's trustworthy. Notice what he says here in verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I speak the truth. I am the truth. I don't exaggerate. I don't have to go back tomorrow and say, you know what I said yesterday? It wasn't really true, but it was close. I am the truth. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. Why? Because when I say something, you can believe it. Look later here in chapter 14, if you will. Look at verse 29. And now I've told you before it comes to pass that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I already told you what's going to happen. And when it happens, you're going to know. You see, I speak the truth. Why believe in me? Because you are the Christ. Why believe in me? Because you have proven that you're trustworthy. When God says it, it's certain. Not only that, he tells us that Jesus is the one that you know. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. Jason used this this morning in his lesson. Verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and you have not come to know me, Philip? Don't you know who I am? And then running through these verses is, I and the Father are one. If you know me, you know the Father. That's why he's driving at in these things. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter went to Cornelius, and one of the things he said about Jesus is that Jesus went about doing good. He didn't have to give a whole bunch of passages to prove that. That's the character of Jesus. That's what we would expect. We're not shocked when we read that verse. Because that's who Jesus is. Why believe in me? Because I know you. I know you. You're compassionate. You're loving. You're kind. You want the best out of us. You want us to go to heaven. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. I can't be here forever. I'm going to leave you apostles. Now, you can be distressed, you can be agitated and rattled, or you can believe in me. And then he also reminds us that his promises are true. Once again, in chapter 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He's come to our world so we could go to his world. How do we know that's going to be true? How do we know that? Because Jesus said so. His promises are true. Peter would say in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that God is not slack concerning his promises. God doesn't just say things, pat us on the head, get us out of the way, quit bothering me, and then God later forgets his promises. Sometimes you and I forget our promises. Sometimes we say things just to let people hear things, and then we go on our way. When God says something, you can count on it. And that's the concept there. And so from this, we simply get this simple idea that don't be afraid, but believe. Don't be rattled, but trust. And don't be troubled, but know. And when I look in this congregation, I see so many of you going through change right now. Several of you are moving. Some of you are getting married. Some are having babies. Some have just retired or will be retiring. New routines, new schedules, different. And different always brings us anxiety and this worry. How are we going to navigate this stuff? How are we going to get through this? Some of you are going through treatments. Some of you are going through all kinds of things like that. Different. Change. Life is always like that. And one of the things that will help us is simply to understand I need to believe, I need to trust, and I need to know. And particularly true are the promises of God. Promises such as Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never desert you. Never. Promises such as Psalms 23, verse 4, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. I am there. Promises such as 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. I don't have to sin. I don't have to answer the door to the devil. God provides a way for me out of this. That's a promise of God. And the promise of God that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The world changes, Jesus doesn't. The world's up and down, Jesus is constant. And so as Jesus was leaving these disciples, multiple times telling them, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. One of the first things he wanted them to remember, believe in me, believe in me. And I think when we think about the things that we go through in life, it's the same three things that we need to understand, appreciate. Don't be afraid, believe. Some of you are facing some scary things. Don't be afraid, believe. Don't be rattled, but trust. And do not be troubled, but know, know God. So that's our thoughts. Simple lesson. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to continue on with this little series. Look at a second thing that these three chapters teach us that Jesus was leaving with the apostles. But I think this is good for us to see and to appreciate and to imagine being in their steps as they heard those words thinking, well, who's going to lead us now? How are we going to get through all these things now? 
And to understand that Jesus is giving them the prescription. He's giving them the understanding. This is how you're going to navigate. It's the same for us today as well. Life changes. Life doesn't stay the same, but God does. And thankful for that, we need to see that. This evening, if we can be some help for you. If you need to be baptized, this is a great time to do that for remission of your sins, as the Bible teaches. Maybe some of you are going through some things, and you're just rattled right now. You're, you're disturbed. You're troubled about things. May we look at these scriptures and understand, while you may not know what's going to happen down the road, you know God. And you know the character of God. And you know what God wants you to do, and that's trust Him. And that will help us as we think about these things. If you're subject, won't you come as we stand, as we sing?